our third message today, this month, on having and living in and operating in an overcoming spirit. <clears throat> we are overcomers because the overcomer, the one that overcame, lives on the inside of us. That's why. And to develop an overcoming spirit is what is vital in and to in and and, and about your life, you have to be developing the spiritual part of you in an overcoming manner. Not, not in some passive manner, but, in a, but, but actively overcoming from situation to situation. Constantly overcoming in every way of life. God wants us living and operating as overcomers the way He created us to be. Can you say Amen. The thing about it is that God's way of operation in the earth is different than man's thinking. And the reason that is, and I'm just giving you this little piece before I get into our message today. Well, this is part of the message, but I want to teach you this. Um, what's so vital about you and I understanding who we are is that man's way of thinking because of what we were born into. Every person born into this world was born into a fallen nature. We were born into a sin consciousness in nature in this world. Okay? We were born into that. Every human being that is alive was born into that. The Bible says that Satan, though he's defeated, is still the God of the system. And the system is the way of thinking of mankind. So the way man thinks and the way God thinks are, are as far apart as the east is from the west and beyond. That's absolutely true. So we have to think, we have to learn and develop in our lives, how to think like God and be rid of man's way of thinking. And, in, and if you're going to live God's way and according to His plan, there's going to be a lot of things that won't work out in your life until you rid yourself of unbelief. Until you empower yourself with your spirit man being in an overcoming matter because of what you're practicing every day of your life. We have to become doers of the Word, not just hearers. That's why the Bible says in James, a person that's a hearer of the Word, like you're hearing it today, but does nothing with it, he's deceived. You operate and live in deception in your life because you're hearing it but not doing anything with it. We play a part. What you're hearing today will, will not deliver your life totally. It has the potential to, but you have to do something with it. And so, as we learn to do something with it, and we begin to believe in the process of God, then we see things manifest God's way, which most of the time is never when we want it. Because God's more concerned about you internally being developed than things being manifested in the natural. When you get it in eternally, in internally, the natural things will just come. 
God's not trying to hold anything from us. He just doesn't want natural things to be manifested in your life, and those things destroy you. So if you choose to do it God's way, it takes longer every single time. It always takes longer God's way because of the internal development that has to take place. So as we're talking about, I'm going to read two or three of the foundational scriptures that we've read in the previous two messages. 1 Timothy 6.12 is the first one. He said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Two things that we've pointed out there in the last couple of messages. If you haven't heard these messages, go back and listen to them and, and refresh what we're talking about today. It'd be good and healthy for you. Fight the good fight of faith. So we have to fight. We've talked about that our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. But, but you know what? I've heard that since the day I was born again. And I still at times have trouble with that. Because I want to help God along and make sure that flesh and blood pays for what they're not doing right. But that's not my fight. It's not my fight. I know it more than I've ever known it today. So I cannot be moved by what other people do. I have to be confident in what God says is true. He said, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold. Of what? Eternal life now. Everything that is eternal life. Eternal life is forever. The day you got born again, eternal life was kicked into motion. Eternal life started the day that you were thought about before the foundation of the world. That's when your eternal life started. But it was kicked into motion the day you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Until then, spiritually, everything was dormant in your life. So he said, lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of everything that God has. How? By faith. By fighting the fight of faith and trust and confidence in God, being more convinced in what he says is so than being moved by what you see or how you feel in the natural. That's the system of the world, the way of thinking of the world, and it will, and, and if you stay with that, if you don't constantly fight in the renewing of your mind by faith, fight for a, a stronger and a higher ground than the ground of living in this planet and living the ways of the world. If you don't fight for that, that other life will take you out prematurely before your time. Through what? Greatest killer on planet earth is, is stress and pressure that creates heart conditions that take people out more than cancer, more than any other disease. Why? The lack of a renewed mind. The lack of thinking from a spiritual perspective and allowing the natural to control. We have to fight and we have to lay hold. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, talked about this last week, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion, doing what? Seeking whom he may devour, but resist him steadfast in what? In what you're fighting for every day. So I have an adversary. 
There's an adversary working against me, against you in our lives. But he said, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. We talked about that part of that last week, and actually even in the first week. And I'll just say this about it. The things that you go through, the sufferings, if you will, what's happening to each and every one of us, if we're becoming doers of the word, we're being extracted from the world's way of thinking. And in that extraction process is suffering. I'm not talking about suffering sickness and disease and infirmity and poverty and all the things that Jesus paid for. I'm talking about the extraction of you being ruled by your flesh versus being ruled by your spirit. And there is suffering involved in that. And listen, listen, when you're made aware that you have an adversary, when you're learning to resist him, firm in your faith, just know. Everybody's experiencing stuff. Some little, some little baby was kidnapped last night. That keeps going off. Everybody see that? We declare that baby's being found now in the name of Jesus. That is a lie. Babies don't get stolen. Not around here. <clears throat> Not in Kerrville, Kerr County, San Antonio, Bear County, Austin, all those counties, everything in between. Not in our area. They don't get away with it. I don't care what it looks like. That baby's being found in the name of Jesus. I think seven months old. She was found. Come on, shout amen, somebody. Woo! Was that another one? Man. Man. Thank God for technology. Amen? Because the moment we got that, man, we put our word on it. She was found. Woo! Say, say it again. Oh, her, the car was stolen. Man, thank God for that. Someone shout amen. amen. The word works. People are protected because of what we believe. What's the answer for the world? The church. Thank God for the technology, but it's the church. It's our words that make the difference. It's what we pray and declare is what makes the difference on behalf of people. Can you say amen to that? That is so great. Thank you for telling me that. Man, that just makes me rejoice. But we have an adversary. We have an adversary, right? That's why we have to be vigilant, and that's why we have to be fighting, and that's why we have to be fighting the, the right fight, and we have to be laying hold of everything that God has for us. And you have to be actively doing that or it doesn't work. Can you say amen? Amen. <clears throat> Last week we read part of this, and I'm going to finish. I'm going to read a couple of verses that I read last week out of Romans chapter 8. But, but then I want to finish with two statements before I go on. Romans 8 and verse 18 says, I consider, Paul says this, I consider that our present sufferings, just what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, He's saying the same thing here. Watch this. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory to be revealed in us. No matter what you suffer, no matter what you go through, no matter what you face, it's nothing compared to the glory revealed because you're in the fight. Say that after me. I'm in the fight. Say it again. 
Come on, say it real loud one more time. We are in the fight. The sufferings, the things that we go through are in, in no way, in any comparison to the glory that's being revealed because we're in the fight. For the creation waits in eager expectation for a new president of the United States. Now he said creation. For another one world ruler of, of, of the planet. No. No. And not just a handful of the church. Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. How are the children of God revealed? They are revealed because they're in the fight, seeing the results, and making a difference in the earth. That's who we are, that's who we're called to be. And that's what is happening right now. That's why the the day and the time in which we're living in is the greatest hour the church has ever known. Because we're being revealed. Because of what we believe. That's why you have to believe it. One of the things that I feel like that I've learned in the last number of years in my own personal life is that And, and, and I, I've said this before, but, but I, I can't not say it again right here at this moment. I've realized in my life that today I look at life through a set of eyes that see things in such a different way than I, I would say even that I saw things even 10 years ago. And you have to come to this place. I haven't arrived at this place. I've stepped into this place and it's growing in me daily. And, and the place is, is that I'm more focused on the fact that I can do nothing without Him. And I really believe that. I I can do nothing without, until you get to the place where it's none of you and all of Him, you you can't be on the receiving end of what He has. You, you 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 can create things and you can get quote, natural manifestations that look like the glory. They, they, they look like they're from God, but not if they're not God's way. And, and, and because we live in a society where we're so reward-minded, listen, our God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. But the rewards come in a way that literally... 
has nothing to do with me, has everything to do with Him first, and yet, when I know it has everything to do with Him, it makes me want to do my part even that much more. But it's because of what He's done. And there's a mentality there that's actually, it's actually difficult to put into words. Because there's a false humility that doesn't want any credit in life. No, if you, if you serve God and you humble yourself under His mighty hand, He'll make you look good and, and then people get mad at you because of, of the glory on your life. And, and false humility ignores that, but true humility continues to honor Him for everything that is due Him. But, but it's, it's more than just honoring Him with your mouth. It's knowing that somebody tells you something, you see something manifest, something happens, and, and, and it produces. Let's say somebody was sick in their body and you laid hands on them. And you spoke over their body and they were healed instantly. How many of that's ever happened to you in your life? You laid hands on somebody and somebody was healed instantly. I've seen it happen a number of times. And so somebody comes and tries to make a big deal out of you for what you did. Well, I'm not going to downplay the fact that that person was healed, but I'm going to look at those people eyeball to eyeball. I said, that is a result of my faith and confidence in the God that heals me. He healed us. He healed all of mankind. And what happened there was a manifestation of the Spirit, and it worked in that person's life because I believe in Him. You understand what I'm saying? I'm explaining to you that every time I see that right now and in the future, that's what I believe. And that's getting stronger in me. Has nothing to do with me, first and foremost. Has everything to do with Him. And then He makes it about me because I have to take ownership of what He's told me to do. But you've got to separate it. Because listen to me. For you to get results... There can't be an, even that much pride. Thinking of yourself more highly than you should, not even that much. Not to get the results we're talking about. Because what I'm talking about are the results that Jesus got. Yeah, I've gotten some results, but no, I, I want the results of Jesus. Not even that much. That's why we have to be in a fighting place a laying hold place, acknowledging the fact that we have an adversary, but man, we've inherited the authority over that adversary in every situation. But I've got to know that authority, it's His that's been given to me. I take it. I take ownership of it, but I don't get in pride with it. And if I allow myself, and, and there's not a person here that is not susceptible and open to getting into pride, believing that it's you. If you allow yourself, that's why you have to fight for that. My faith and my confidence is in Him and Him alone. Can you say amen to that? He said in verse 29 of Romans 8, <clears throat> For those God foreknew, He also predestined. He knew us before the foundation of the world. To do what? To be conformed to the image of His Son. That He might be 
his son, would be the firstborn among many brothers and many sisters. So his plan was that we would be conformed to him the way he thinks, the way he operates, and do exactly what he did. And then verse 37 says this, what shall we say then? Where all the sufferings and the things are concerned in life. What shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's verse 31, I'm sorry. And then verse 37 says, No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We're more than conquerors in all these things. Everything that we go through, we're more than conquerors because of what we've inherited. We've inherited the name above every single name. There's not anything you can't overcome and deal with because of the authority that God has given to you that He preordained and set up for you to have before the foundation of the world. It's already been set in motion. He set it up that way. If you've accepted it, now you've inherited, now you have to renew your mind to think like the Spirit of God instead of the Spirit of the world. Can you say amen to that? We have a fighting spirit. <clears throat> so everything that God has given to you, it has to be fought for. And you have to overcome the spirit of unbelief. You have to. Because unbelief is what will set you in a place of absolute defeat. So I want to end this today with this story out of Numbers chapter 13. <clears throat> and some of you know this story, maybe others maybe not. But it's Moses preparing to send the 12 spies out to spy out the promised land. And um, in verse 1 of Numbers 13, the first three verses I want to read, read here first. Um, <clears throat> and I want you to notice something here before we read the rest of this story. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. Three other places in Scripture said that tells us that God gave the children of Israel the promised land before He sent the spies out. In other words, God wasn't sending the spies out to see if they could take it. So He said, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of, the, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. So God sent them out to spy out the land that he had already given them. So you'd think that God had sent the twelve out and Maybe they go two by two, and you guys hide behind that thing over there and just check out the land, and you 
You look over here and spy out this little piece over here and check out the land. And you take care of this and do that. And we'll, we'll just kind of hang out here. And we know God's protecting us. And, you know, we're just going to see what the land looks like and come back and just give them a report of how good the land is because God wouldn't give them something that wasn't good. And this is a good land. If you've never been to Israel, it's a good land. And it is a fertile land. I mean, in every way. So, he tells them, he tells Moses to send these 12 guys out to spy out the land. So, in verse 16, I'm going to jump down to verse 16. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, and Moses called Hashua, the son of Nun, Joshua. Then Moses, he had already read all the names. I skipped all the names and everything and uh, couldn't read half of them. So I couldn't pronounce them correctly, half of them, so we're not going to even read them. So then it goes, then, then he says, Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, Go up this way to the south, go up to the mountains, see what the Lord is like. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. Whether the land is rich or poor. And whether there are forests or there are not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. Now, it sounds like to me that the instructions that were given to them when they go and check the land out, notice there was nothing said for them to judge whether or not they could take the land. What was happening was He was preparing them to fight. Everybody say fight. That side of the cross, it was a natural battle. This side of the cross, it's not flesh and blood. But it's the same kind of battle because you're going to fight this battle and go into the battle with faith in God. Can you say amen? So, skip down to uh, verse 25. And they returned, so, so they went and they spied out the land, they came back, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. He's answering the questions. They're answering the, 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 the statements that Moses gave them, told them what to do in spying out the land, so they're answering it. Truly, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. 
Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. Now, whoever was answering Moses was giving Moses the description of the things that he was asking for. It, they, that, up to this point, that's all they've, they've done. So Ca- Caleb now quiets the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able. Now, Caleb was one of the twelve, and this is his perspective. We are well able to overcome it, but the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people. Why do you think Caleb quieted the people when he was just telling Moses what Moses had asked for? Because on the journey back, I think Moses, uh, Caleb and Joshua were, were listening to ten guys complaining and in fear and in desperation and not knowing what to do, and, and there's no way, and look at how big these giants are, and what about this thing, that thing, and the other? We don't have record of that, but why would he quiet the people right then? You know why? Because Caleb and Joshua were doers of the Word. Amen? And, and Caleb is going to get his statement in first before Moses has to hear all the mess from these guys that he and Joshua have been listening to on their whole trip back from Canaan land. Because God sent them to spy out the land. God told Moses, send the spies, check out the land, because you got to prepare these guys to fight. Now, it's not a surprise to God that ten of these guys were ready to turn tail and run the other way. No surprise. And these were leaders. These were leaders of their tribes. So if the leaders are turning tail, then then the other ten tribes are going to turn tail. So he says, I'll finish this. They said, we're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. How would they know they're stronger than? They just spied out the land. They didn't talk to anybody, didn't shake anybody's hand to get a good grip or anything. How do they know they're, gonna, they're stronger, right? That's what fear does. Watch what else fear does. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. What? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Stature, There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. We're like these little bitty things in their sight. Not, in, not, in, not whoever said that in their sight, but he's saying in the giant's sight, we're just a bunch of little grasshoppers. That's what fear does. Why? Because fear wants to keep you out of the fight. Fear wants to tell you what you see, how you feel, the way it appears is more real and more confident that that's what's going to remain and that's the way it's going to be instead of believing the Word of God. Joshua and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb 
were doers of the word. They'd been all their lives. They'd meditated on this. And it was like, how many felt like you were Joshua and Caleb when COVID came? Hmm? Wow. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to engage. Put my faith in, in, in you in something that we're facing that people are calling it this. The giants were calling it this. We say, I don't know, we're, we're well able. How many have known that we're well able? I, I don't care. It's cold. I don't care what it is. Anything we face in the future, we're well, well able if we're doers of the word and we've been developing it until then. That's why Joshua and Caleb, these other guys were just kind of whatever. Yeah, we, we know God. We, we know all about him. Ah, we don't need church or synagogue we don't, we, when, when we get a chance. Didn't put the word first. So the end of this story is this. God had a lot of patience for him, but in the 14th chapter, God goes to Moses, and he says this to Moses. I can't continue on with this faithless bunch. They're a bunch of weasels. I've given them a great land. I've already given it to them. But I can't stand to look at them. They're not doing my word. They're not being faithful to it. They're not de- developing daily routines and confidence in the word. So I'm fixing to annihilate them. And Moses goes to God. And this is what Moses says to God. God, but what about the fear that's actually in the enemy? (laughs) See, the enemy didn't see them as grasshoppers. The enemy saw them as a threat because of the God they serve. See, they just didn't know it. And so because of that, Moses goes to God and says, yeah, but God, everybody knows who you are. And if you wipe your people out because they wouldn't do what you said, what's that going to look like? So in essence, you know what Moses is saying? Let's focus on the ones that believe. And so God created a plan. Everybody from the age of 20 that's responsible and up, you're not going into the promised land. Everybody that's 20 or younger and Joshua and Caleb, you're going into the promised land. And he got rid of all the unbelief in the older ones, in the leaders. Because I promise you, the ten that went to spy out the land, they were all over 20 years old. Because if there was a couple of 16 years olds in in the 20, in the ten that went to spy out the land, then he would have said, everybody from 15 years and older, you ain't going in. So they didn't enter into the promised land. They lived for long periods of time, but they didn't enter into the promise of God. And in Hebrews, we find where God said the exact same thing about us today on this side of the cross. You want to be like them and not enter in? Mm -mm. I'm living my life to fight for the right thing, to fight the fight of faith, and developing my trust and confidence in God and laying hold of all that God has for me. All that God has for us, we're laying hold of that. And allowing ourselves to build our spirit man so that we have an overcoming spirit that is not moved by the sufferings of the world. There's going to continue to be sufferings. 
There's going to continue to be stuff. People that are looking and saying, man, we just want to go back to how it used to be. No, no, no. Man, we're going into the good things of God in the days ahead. Can you shout amen to that? I'm telling you, there are some good days that the world and the planet has never seen because of us. We are here to save the planet. We are here to save the planet. Empowered by the Savior. Moses was a type and shadow of the Savior. He did everything that he could, but I'm telling you at the end of the day, everything that Jesus did for you and all of humanity, it won't work for them. Even though he saved us, even though he delivered us, even though he set it all up, even though he defeated defeated the, the enemy, everything's defeated. But if you don't choose to receive it and choose to walk in it, it won't work for you. Amen? But we're not letting one perish. As a result of that wisdom being revealed, we're stepping into the place that God created us to be. And I'm telling you today, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Can you say amen today?